continue this morning, turn with me in your bulletins for our prayer of confession and words of assurance. Let us pray the prayer of confession together this morning. So let us pray. Loving Shepherd, pour your grace upon us this day. Seek those who are wandering and lost, for they too need your grace. For you know when we are wandering, and you know when we are lost. You know when we have sinned, and when we have forsaken your call. Forgive us and bring us home. Reclaim us and make us your own. For you are our shepherd, and we are the sheep of your passion. For his grace and mercy. We are grateful. Rejoice. God has changed our circumstances for the better. Christ's mercy and grace redeem us and bring us home. We who were lost have been found. Thanks be to God. Amen. As we continue this morning, we lift up our joys and our concerns so that we can pray with and for one another. What things do uh, we have to rejoice over and what uh, names or things do we need to offer prayer over this morning? I am thankful for all the rain and that it is not raining right now. And we're going to pray that that rain holds off until we get done enjoying a great fellowship meal together. Any others? <coughs> well, let us take our prayers to the Lord. So let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we have once again gathered together as the body. And today, Lord, we have gathered in this beautiful, holy space, out among the trees, outside, where we can feel the breeze that is blowing. <coughs> and Lord God, we are thankful for that breeze. We are thankful for everything that goes into coming and worshiping you. Lord, we are thankful that we can gather <coughs> and love on each other. Pray for one another and to hear your voice and your message. Lord, we have a prayer list that we have so many names on. We have our communal list and we have our personal list. We have those who are on our hearts, Lord. So this day, Lord, we ask that you be with each and every person. That you be with each and every situation. Lord, as we have gathered here on this homecoming Sunday, we come in happiness, but we also come with sadness. Because some are not here with us this day. But Lord, we celebrate that they are with you. That they have had the ultimate homecoming. That they are no longer suffering. Lord, as we Grieve just a little bit today. Be with us. So, Lord God, we ask now 
that the power do its thing and that we continue in a service that we can be thankful for. In all these things we pray. Amen. So as we continue, um, I don't know if somebody just wants to go flip all the breakers because I don't want to cause any bigger electrical problems. Thank you, Doug, for doing that. Um, and um, we will uh, fly by the seat of our pants uh, this morning. Um, we are thankful, though, that we do have this space. Um, if you do have a problem hearing, um, if you would like to, it's time to come on down. <laughs> it's time to come on down. Um, we do have lots of space for, for up front here. Um, don't be afraid. Um, I'm keeping our pastor up here. He, he blocked in my flowers, so he won't come down to you. Um, I, I'll, I'll make sure he stays up here. I all right? Promise, I promise. <laughs> so feel free to move forward at any time if you, uh, if you cannot hear this morning. Uh, we're going to continue this morning with our Psalter reading uh, that is in our bulletins. It is Psalm 14. So let us turn together and we will read this psalm together this morning. Fools say in their hearts there is no God. There are brothers and do evil things. Not one of them does anything good. The Lord looks down from heaven on humans to see if anyone is wise, to see if anyone seeks God, but all of them have turned bad. Everyone is corrupt. No one does good. Not even one person. Are they dumb, all these evildoers, devouring my people like they are eating bread but never calling on the Lord? Count on them. They will be in utter panic because God is with righteous generation. You evildoers may humiliate the plans of those who suffer. But the Lord is their refuge. Let Israel's salvation come out of time. When the Lord changes his people's circumstances for the better, Jacob will rejoice. Israel will celebrate. Well, this morning we have special music. Uh, and it has become a cappella special music this morning. Um, but we've got this. So uh, now the Lovejoy Choir is going to sing.
Amen, amen, amen. As the choir makes their way back to sit with their families this morning, um, we do have a basket in the back that we were, uh, for any offerings or tithes or money that you would like to give this morning. Um, so if you missed it on the way in, you're welcome to get it on the way out this morning. Uh, but we're going to uh, sing the doxology, uh, and we're going to do this a cappella uh, as we offer uh, our praise and thanksgiving for those uh, things that we have been given. So let us stand and let us sing together the doxology.
Well, <clears throat> so can you guys hear me at the back? Yes. You can, huh? You're not just saying that and you're, you're planning to go to sleep. Is this what I hear? Is that what I'm, you know, and um, so anyway, well, it's, it's good to be here. And, um, and I will tell you that and my wife Rachel is here. Rachel and I are a clergy couple. Um, we were the first clergy couples, uh, we were the first clergy couple ordained as elders at the same time in this annual conference. The second clergy couple was ordained five minutes later, but we were the first. <laughs> now, I just want you all to know that I knew Justin when he had hair. <laughs> of course, come to think of it, he knew me when I had hair too. <laughs> Jenna was my outstanding youth at Mount Hermon, United Methodist Church. You won't believe this, but she was a shy little girl. Of course, when I was her age, I was a shy little boy. So I guess the more things change, the more they stay the same. But what remains is the constant that has, the one thing that has bound Rachel and me to Justin and Jana is the United Methodist Church. Our lives have crossed ways again and again because of this church. Jana and I have sung together and cried together and laughed together. Justin and I have collaborated for good and bad and um, mischief <laughs> for probably close to 30 years. You have come together for homecoming. In a sense, you two have been bound together by the United Methodist Church. It has been the constant in your life that has instructed you inspired you, shaped you, made you sing, laugh, and cry together. In a sense, you have also collaborated for good and bad and mischief for as long as you have been together in this place. It is the United Methodist Church which has continued to expand your faith, enlighten your minds, and stir your hearts. But even more than that, in the absolute most trying times of our lives, the United Methodist Church has been the one thing that has always settled our souls. All we had to do was come into this arbor, or go into the sanctuary, or see a Bible, or hear a hymn, and, and it has reminded us of a goodness that we know only in part that has loomed in our future. The United Methodist Church has reminded us that no matter how good it is right now, our best days are always the yet to, are always the ones that are yet to come. So with that, let's look at today's scripture. It is from Luke's 15th chapter. <clears throat> Got to get it to where I can see it. Now the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and scribes were grumbling, saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, 
he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, search carefully until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the word of God for the people of God. Ah, that's great. I don't know if my voice is going to make it all the way through this. There was a story of the preacher who just kept right on preaching and kept right on drinking water. And um, someone asked how it was. And they said that was the first windmill they ever saw that was run by water. <laughs> when I uh, was at Mount Hermon in Alamance County, I was with the volunteer rescue squad in the county. It was my third rescue squad in three appointments. <clears throat> I was, yeah, I was a full-fledged, EMT-trained, full-blooded, pager-carrying, red light on the dashboard that matched my neck. Are you with me? Are you with me yet? Okay, okay, I'm not sure here. I'm, I'm not sure. I can't see you that well. And do I have any first responders in here? Anybody do that? All right, all right, all right. I, I knew. I knew I liked you. Anyway. Um... After eight years on the rescue squad, I was pretty well known by the paramedics, the firefighters, and the local law enforcement people, which always got me out of a couple of tickets. And, um, and they knew I was a United Methodist pastor. I was a first responder. You know how that works. You know, it goes off. All these people show up at your house. One of my ladies, one of my ladies at Mount Hermon, uh, she, had, she had some heart issues. Uh, she was in her 80s, and she... She called 911 and she said afterwards, because I was one of them that got there, and, and she said, you know what? She said, I know how to find a man now. <laughs> she said, you just called 911. She said, there were 20 men standing on my front porch and they all look pretty good. So that's how they work. You know, you hear the pager, you know, you, you rock and roll and try to get to where you're going. So one evening, as Rachel and I were coming back to the parsonage at Mount Hermon, my pager beeped off, and it said that there was an emergency at a place called the Paradise Club. <laughs> now, are there any small children here? If there are parents, please, please push your hands over their ears. The Paradise Club was a place where people of the female gender... <laughs> Work for the people of the male gender. So I pulled up at the house. I said, Rachel, 
get out of the truck. I'm going to answer this call. She said, you most certainly are not. <laughs> I begged to differ, and I ordered her to get out of the truck. You have no idea how well that went over. <laughs> and I sped off. Now, there was a good chance that I would be among the first people there. But as I sped down the Mount Hermon Rock Creek Road, I got to thinking. Those firefighters would show up and I knew them all. Along with the EMS folks, I knew them all. There might be some law enforcement people there, some sheriff's deputies, I knew them too. They would see me there and I would never be able to live it down. So I hit the brake. It wasn't like it was a heart attack or a done fell out, but you guys, you guys know what Dunfellout is? That, that's what people, that's what they say. You, you know what Dunfellout. What happened to him? He Dunfellout. Well, was he, was he hurt? Was he, I don't know, he just Dunfellout. You know, and so not a Dunfellout call. You know, it was some kind of sick call. And, and I just said, I can't do it. And so I turned around, I got back up. Rachel had gone in the house, told my three teenage sons where I was. They were all standing on the sidewalk when I got there. And I got out of the truck and my oldest, Ben, said, you chickened out, didn't you? <laughs> you know, I had. I, I, I didn't want to ruin my reputation. I didn't want to ruin my church's reputation. <clears throat> but the Pharisees and scribes, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. That's what they said about Jesus. The Pharisees and scribes, the religious athletes, the ones respected by the community, the ones who wore the robes, who read the Torah, who were thought to have it all together. This Jesus welcomes sinners and eats with them. The church of Jesus Christ has always stood in this predicament. How do we deal with the ones called sinners? We self-righteously say that we are all sinners. I love how some preachers will say that they are the chief sinners of all, but we all know that they're not. And furthermore, furthermore, we know that they don't think they are either. In fact, we suspect that they may actually think they are not sinners at all. But I think we struggle with this. Methodists led the temperance movement. Some of the most famous anti-liquor advocates through the decades have been Methodists. It is still the reason. We have grape juice at communion and we call it wine. One Sunday afternoon when I was a boy, I was bored. So I got the lawnmower out and started mowing my grass in Hagerstown, Maryland. I made one pass through the yard and my mother appeared in front of me and said, what do you think you're doing? And I said, I'm mowing the grass. She said, we live next door to a preacher. Turn that thing off. 
I was sure the gates of hell were waiting for me right then. Little did I realize this was just the beginning of sin and guilt. And I don't even want to talk about dancing. But long before those teenagers started gyrating their hips, the old folks in the mountains would strike up the fiddles and the banjos, and the men and the women would shuffle out there. Can you hear the shuffling? <laughs> And they would do that kind of clogging that was probably one of the oldest forms of dancing. You know, up in the mountains. Up, um, Clay, Hazel, did you guys go to the folk thing? The folk music thing? Oh, I, I didn't know. Um, but anyway, up in the mountains, they called them fiddles. Down in the flatlands, they call them violins. Anyway. They said, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. That fellow went on to say that there was more rejoicing over the one sheep that was found. The other sheep, they kind of naturally hung together while the shepherd went to find the stray. More rejoicing, he said, over one sinner who repents than over 99 who need no repentance. Some say that Jesus was, um, was being sarcastic about that, but I really don't think he was. I think it was true. And what about the coin? What about the coin? When I was in Jacksonville, we were building a sanctuary. We decided to build a sanctuary, and I would walk almost every day through the parking lots and, and along around the neighborhood, but mainly through the parking lots, and I would find coins. And so for the building fund, I started putting coins in a, in a cup that I found on my walks. And then I had a second cup, and I filled that up, and then a third cup, and I filled that up. And I was working on a fourth cup when it was time to retire. And, and I, my last thing I did was gave, I gave those cups to my secretary and said, here you go, count them and put them in the building fund. And she snarled at me because they were just dimes, nickels, and pennies. No quarters, because I kept those. And I also... <laughs> And I also kept the gold dollar that I found on the golf course one time too. But everything else I put in those, in those cups. And she called me about two hours later when I was well ensconced in my retired position. And uh, she said it was $47.13. Congratulations. <laughs> but that woman, that woman searched for that lost coin. Luke says she, that she searched carefully and she rejoiced, called her neighbors. So what can we say? The one lamb and the one coin seemed so insignificant, but for Jesus it made all the difference. These are the small things, but the small things add up. The only romantic advice that my mother gave me of all the advice that I could have had, the only romantic advice she gave me was to take care of the small things. Look at the small things. That's what women appreciate, she said. I want you to know I took that to heart. And when it was time to woo Rachel, I listened for the small things. And while we were in seminary, I didn't attract her with my great preaching or my great intellect, which it was neither there. 
and, and with that, my great looks, I mean, you know, heck, no, no. I listened. She said she liked strange socks. And I gave her a pair of strange socks. That's how romantic I am. <laughs> People never remember great sermons preached by any pastor, but they do remember when that pastor was there for them. The one person that we think may not be most important may be the very one who needs us. In youth ministry, many years ago, the leader of our event said, look out for the zeros. Look out for the zeros. Look out for the, look out for the kids that sit by themselves and don't have any friends. Don't grab... <laughs> don't gravitate. Ooh. I can drop my voice back a little bit. Don't, don't gravitate toward the popular ones. Look for the ones who are always by themselves. Look out for the zeros. And, you know, he said that the tendency is for the staff to get in with the popular kids and be known by them. We were to do the opposite. I thought it was great advice. I've advocated it all years later when it was my turn to leave. The very person who we think may not be worth our time may be the very one who needs it most of all. It's easy to gravitate toward the rich and famous, the ones who have it all together, but it's far more Christ-like to gravitate toward the ones who struggle the most, who feel the most forgotten, even the ones we deem to be the greatest sinner. Why? Because that's what Jesus would do. The small things put together make the big picture. In the mountains, I saw this church that looked a little run down, but out front the sign said, Center of Healing and Peace. So much of our faith is about the big picture, the great events, the big homecomings, the soaring music. We didn't have that because we didn't have the soaring electricity. But you know, we sing, in, Rachel and I sing in New Bern's Messiah at Christmas. It's a big thing with a big time director. The North Carolina Symphony. People are moved. But I think that so much of our faith is about how we can somehow use this big stuff to marshal the invisible forces of nature to our advantage. We believe and give and pray in some attempt to move that divine will into our favor. We try to say the right things, be in the right places, hang out with the right people, because we think that will make the difference in how things happen. We hear the stories of how, the big stories of how God plucked the lucky believer from the jaws of death, and we say, yeah, I want that to be me. But you know, Jesus was not about that. He talked about finding that lost sheep, searching for that lost coin. It wasn't about moving God's will in our favor. It was about offering God's love to the favor of others. This was how the man lived. This was what the man taught, because this man welcomed sinners and ate with them. You know, I turned around and went home that night. 
I never did go to the Paradise Club. But I always told the good people of Mount Hermon that when Jesus comes back, he's not coming to Mount Hermon. He's going to the Paradise Club because that's where he's wanted and that's where he's needed. And they didn't like it. They didn't like it because they knew that's how Jesus was. And I guess as, the, as, as I head into the final years of my ministry, I'll always wonder if I was where I needed to be or if I was where or if I was where I thought it would look better. I would encourage us as we meet for another homecoming to consider how we might reach out to the ones others deem lost. It might be the most comfortable. It won't be the most comfortable thing to do, but it will be the most faithful. This fellow welcomes sinners and meets with them. It was said of Jesus Christ. May it also be said of us. Amen? Amen. Amen. I am really not that high-tech, okay? I, I, I just didn't have a way to print this thing out. And, and, and this is probably the third time in my life that I preached from an iPad. I just want you to know, I, I am just not that high-tech. <laughs> Thank you, Rick. Love you. Uh, well... Power came back on. We're going to attempt to sing with the piano. Um, hopefully, it'll hold out for just the last few minutes here. And our uh, our song of invitation is number one hundred and fifty-three: Love, Mercy, and Grace. Let us stand.
we close our time of worship, we prepare to go eat and uh, feast together in fellowship. So after we sing the response, hold on here for just a second while I offer a blessing over the meal that we will partake in together. So let us uh, say the benediction together as it is found in your bulletin. Found by God. We go down to the Loved by Christ. We go down to share Christ's love with the world. Blessed by the Spirit. We go down to bless others with mercy and grace. And may the forces of evil <laughs> become confused on the way to your house. Savior's name. Amen. Amen. 